and welcome into another episode of Running for the Roses as the calendar continues to tick towards the month of November. Uh, we had another really, really fun week of college football, and we are here to break it all down. I'm Ryan Baff Lucas, joined by Lucas Rohde from Nashville. Uh, Lucas, my friend, uh, how are you this week? I'm doing very, very well. Um, yeah, it rained here for the first time. I had my first lawn update last week in a while. It rained here yep. for the first time in like three weeks. So I appreciate that. My grass appreciates that. Um, but uh, no, it's it's exciting. Halloween, it's Halloween uh, weekend coming up here. Halloween is arguably my favorite holiday of the year. So I am getting all jazzed up. Got my Halloween costume already. It's coming in the mail tomorrow, hopefully. And uh, yeah, lots to look forward to this weekend, including uh, a good slate of games once again. Yeah, I'm just I'm just never I've never been big into Halloween. Mm-hmm. I was talking to my girlfriend about it. She's really not big into it either. We're gonna take uh, her nephew trick or treating um, on on Halloween with her family, but that that's really it. I have to work Friday and Sunday, but I've just never never been a big Halloween guy. Um, I love trick or treating as a kid, but as I've as I've aged, it just kind of kind of lost my lust lost for it. Us. Uh, I uh, I love everything about. It. To me, it's I treat it like almost like Christmas when uh, when October comes around. Like I'm listening to, to Halloween music. I'm watching horror films like you would Christmas movies leading up to Christmas. I get all in. I will say though, if you are chaperoning a kid, just let the kid know right away that there is a chaperone tax for candy for walking you around. Love that. Um, just so that you can get a little bit of candy for yourself. Uh, Love that. Or, or you got to test. You got to test the first how many things. Make sure there's no, you know, razor blades in the candy or anything. Yeah, yeah, like yeah. That. Make sure it's not yeah. poisoned or anything, right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Do you guys like decorate the house and stuff? Right, like we do. lights so we, outside. Yeah, yeah, I'll, I'll send you a picture after afterwards. But yeah, we have lights uh, wrapped around. We have lit up. They're not real pumpkins, um, but they are fake, like jack lanterns outside. And then we also have a jack lantern out in the window. So um, yeah, we. Uh, I'm big into Halloween. Hannah's not so much, but she does love decorating. So um, she actually did all of that herself. So, nice. Yeah, get in the Very holiday nice. spirit. I'm excited for uh, the recap of uh, our buddy Kyle's coming up to visit you. I'm excited for that little recap, uh, some of the shenanigans that y'all get into this weekend. It'll be fun. Yeah. Um, Knock on wood, we're all safe this weekend. Yeah. Yeah. For all, 100%. Uh, all right. Um, we'll run a show for everyone here before we dive in. This is not going to be a full Halloween podcast. We, we, we promise we will get into college football. Lucas and I will start with our weekly roses celebrating the best of the week in college football. We'll play stock up, stock down. Uh, a favorite game of ours, kind of who had a really good stock up in week eight, who uh, maybe wasn't so great, had their stock go down in week eight. Uh, and then Lucas and I will, will look at week nine. Uh, last week in October, conference races continue to heat up. Um, some really good games this weekend as well. Um, and then uh, we'll give our weekly picks. Uh, Lucas, I will go first with my Rose. I'm going to take us to one of the bigger games of the weekend. College game day was in Eugene, Oregon, and I am giving my weekly Rose to Bo Nix. Bo Nix has had such a roller coaster of a, of a collegiate career. I, I just remembered um, his first career game was against Oregon. Mm-hmm. I remember watching it. It was, I think, in Dallas, or it was in, it was a neutral site game, Auburn and against Oregon. And it's come full circle now after a disastrous week one in which Oregon just looked awful 
against Georgia. The Ducks have won six straight games, including an impressive win over BYU, impressive win at Washington State, and getting their most impressive win this weekend, a 45-30 to victory over uh, UCLA, previously unbeaten UCLA. Bo Nix, 22 of 28, 283 yards and five touchdowns, also added 51 yards on the ground. So over 320 total yards, five touchdowns, looked in control. Oregon played a really, really good game. Um, it was impressive the way they controlled the game. Bo Nix, you know, I think after the Oregon game, a lot of people were down. I think a lot of people were talking about why aren't they playing Ty Thompson, the five-star redshirt freshman. Is Bo Nix the guy? Um and he has them firmly in the mix, not only in the Pac-12, but I think as a one-loss team with their only loss coming to Georgia, who's ranked number one in the country, firmly in, in the playoff mix still. Uh, we'll talk about them a little later in stock up, stock down for me. But, like, just, just Bonex continues to to be impressive, and, and he's getting a little Heisman love now. I think it's a, that's a little early, a little you know premature. Um, but had a really nice week in Oregon's, uh, probably their biggest game of the season, certainly their biggest win, so mm-hmm. Bonex. Gets my uh, weekly rose. No, that's a uh, a really really good one. I think, uh, and that was a game that was tied. I think it was three three after the first quarter. Was kind of feeling very unlike what we thought that game was going to be, and then Oregon just completely exploded um, in the second quarter. I think they scored a touchdown on every single drive uh, in the second quarter, and it just felt like anytime Bo Nix threw it, it was going to be caught in a receiver's hands. That's how on fire he was. Um, it'll be interesting to see them. Uh, I think the two toughest games they still have remaining. I think they they go to do they go no they host Utah, um, I believe in a couple weeks, and then they get Oregon State, uh, who them they themselves is having a nice yeah, game. That so, game was in Corvallis too. Yeah, so it's actually if you look at um, it's the final two games of the season for Oregon. They'll next two are, are kind of cakewalks. They have California uh, this week. They'll go at Colorado. Uh, on 11-5, and then Washington at home. Final two games against Utah and Oregon State. Um, don't have USC on the schedule, which is, a, um, mm-hmm. I think, a good thing for uh, for the Ducks. Awesome, awesome. All right, your, uh, your weekly rose? Uh, I'm kind of going to the opposite spectrum, so I'm actually giving mine to the Rutgers Scarlet Knights, who uh, really championed themselves to a gritty 24-17 victory over Indiana. Not really seeing huge implications on this, uh, especially when it comes to the playoff. But I wanted to congratulate Rutgers for their first Big Ten home win since 2017. Uh, I believe I saw a stat. It was like 1,831 days since they had won a Big Ten game in Piscataway. Um, So I wanted to congratulate them uh, as well as, um, you know, they had just fired, you know, kind of a little adversity. They had just fired Sean Gleason, their offensive coordinator, prior to the bye week. Um, Offense still didn't look (laughs) crazy efficient, but they did the job. And um, this was a game for both of these teams, Rutgers and Indiana, that each of them had to win if they wanted any shot at getting a bowl game. Uh, So Rutgers not only gets their first Big Ten home game in a while, but they also give themselves a fighting shot potentially um, at maybe their second consecutive bowl game under uh, Greg Schiano. Yeah. Rutgers doing, doing some nice things. I mean, if you, if you take a look at the, uh, at the big 10 standings, I mean, Rutgers is four and three and, and I think you're right. Putting them squarely in the mix 
uh, for a bowl game. And so good stuff there for uh, for Rutgers. All right, we're, we're going to go into some stock up, stock down, um, kind of where teams uh, kind of improve their standing, where, where teams maybe have fallen off a little bit. Lucas, uh, I will let you go first. If you want to kind of give us a stock up, a stock down, kind of take us where you want to go. Yeah, so stock up for me, one is um, one team that we had a lot of question marks coming into the season, and that's LSU, um, as they absolutely throttled Ole Miss. They're yes. on my list as well. They're yeah. on my list. Ole Miss um, probably was a little bit overrated. I don't think anyone believed they were the seventh best team in the country. That being said, still undefeated, and LSU just dominated this game uh, pretty much um, from kind of like the second quarter on. Um, and I think the biggest thing with this the second straight game they've scored 45 straight points that's coming after they had just gotten their butts kicked by Tennessee a few weeks prior uh, but really want to credit them I think they were kind of a, a punchline after the first week of the season the way they had lost that game against Florida State with bad special teams the two muff punts and then also the missed extra points to send that to overtime but uh, they've been uh, really really solid outside that Tennessee game uh, really since then it feels like I mean they might be the second best team in the SEC West with what we've seen with um, with uh, with A and M, obviously with Mississippi State. They've beaten Mississippi State. They've beaten Ole Miss. Um, so I think a, a I think something really nice is forming down there, and I think the improved play of Jaden Daniels too, um, just from what he kind of looked like that first week, what he looked like a year ago at ASU, where it looked like he was somewhat regressing. Um, but they've got a, a pretty bone offense. We knew they had weapons on there if their offensive line could hold up. And uh, that game coming up in two weeks against Alabama, I think, look, I think Alabama still wins that game, but we've seen Alabama on the road uh, this year. They haven't looked great. Um, and now you get an LSU team, and it's in Death Valley, and you get an LSU team that seems to be surging kind of at the right time. Yeah, LSU was on my list for stock up as well. And I, I wrote on my list, I said LSU slash Jane Daniels. So you you kind of hit both of my key points. One, I think it's a team that's improving. I mean, mm-hmm. if you think it like where they're at, they had a really nice win at Florida last week, 45-35. They have a win at Auburn. Um, Jane Daniels, 21 of 28, 248 yards, two passing touchdowns, 23 attempts, 121 rushing yards, and three rushing touchdowns. Jane Daniels over the last two games at Florida and home Ole Miss has accounted for 11 touchdowns uh, on the season. Jane Daniels is completing almost 70% of his passes, 12 touchdowns, one interception and has over 500 rushing yards. I mean, he's kind of on pace to almost get a thousand rushing yards and almost 2,500, you know, 3000, you know, passing yards doing a really good job. I think they're, they're kind of finding the fit in their offense. I think they're doing a nice job getting some of the more high profile receivers like Keishon Booty involved i know it's not as much as maybe they would want them to but um it's a team that's getting better it's a team that that getting better and they have some different ways to win you know they they beat uh auburn 21 17 they had a low scoring game against florida state but 45 points each of the last two weeks by the offense and and i think jane daniels has a lot to say about it. so i had them as well and then and then um my stock downs also Ole Miss because this is a golden opportunity for Ole Miss to finish mm-hmm. second in the SEC West again, and maybe make a, a Sugar Bowl appearance, maybe make a, a a Peach Bowl appearance. Right? They were seven and zero coming into the game, um, and we had talked about it. Right? This is a team that wasn't really tested. 
They had a soft non-conference schedule. Two of their conference wins were Missouri and Vanderbilt. Um, and they, I mean, I'm not going to say they weren't competitive, um, but LSU was in control of that game for mm-hmm. most of it. And we have seen the LSU defense or offense struggle recently. I mean, maybe not too recently. They look good against Florida the prior week, but, you know, Jane Daniels did whatever he wanted to. And, and it's kind of the same thing for Ole Miss. I don't, I don't know if they're getting quite as as uh, as potent quarterback play as they did last year. Certainly, they can run the ball really well. They have two really yeah. good running backs, including a really good true freshman. Um, but I, I thought this was kind of a missed opportunity. And I think the other aspect of this is it's pretty well known that Lane Kiffin wanted the LSU job. Mm-hmm. And I thought Ole Miss, I took them plus one and a half because I thought Ole Miss was going to be motivated to come in. I thought Lane was going to be motivated. And I thought they were the better team. And it wasn't really a fluky win for LSU. It, you know, it was a, we kind of dominated you, but it was kind of also a typical LSU game. Ole Miss went up yeah. 17-3 and then LSU like outscored them. At one point it was like 27 to seven or something. Mm-hmm. They went a huge run. Um, So I said stock down Ole Miss just because I thought Ole Miss had a chance to really assert itself. They still have Alabama on the schedule. They host Alabama, I believe um, this year. Chance to really separate themselves from LSU, from A and M, um, and just 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 didn't happen. Yeah, and you mentioned kind of A and M. That'll be a very intriguing game against A and M this uh, this weekend in College Station because that was that was one of my my stock down, and I don't know if it's really stock down because the stock wasn't particularly high going into uh, last. Yeah, week, it's essentially but... like Kmart stock in the mid two thousand. <laughs> like you just you just don't want any of it. Uh, but. Uh, Oh man, I can't say enough. I don't want to harp too much on on A and M that we haven't really touched on already. But that it's now three straight losses. They lose on the road at South Carolina, South Carolina team that kind of like A and M, not particularly good uh, offensively. It's not like they went off on them. They had, I believe, less than three hundred yards of total offense. Uh, Spencer Rattler was still not very good, twelve of twenty five for one hundred and sixty eight yards, but. Man, oh man, they let uh, Marshawn Lloyd run all over them. And, you know, this is a, a series that the Texas A&M routinely has dominated, no matter who's been the head coach of them. They've routinely beat South Carolina, who is their permanent crossover rival each year. And you look at the games remaining, I mean, they got Ole Miss this week. They got their host, Florida, and then at Auburn, UMass, and LSU. There's chance that they could be going against that LSU game at the end of the year trying to get full eligible. I mean, to me, it's just, I know Jimbo Fisher's not getting fired because he's the $84 million man right now. But um, once again, their stock is just extremely, extremely low. And and it's just, we thought eight and four would be completely disappointing. And now they'd be lucky as hell if they're able to finish eight and four. They have to win out, right? They have to yeah. go five and zero to go eight and four. Yeah. Seven and five or six and six, realistically, is what they're going to be. And mm-hmm. the stock down isn't just for this year, but I don't know what the future of this program is. So I don't know if you saw Lucas. I, I think I may have sent it to you. They suspended three true freshmen from that number one overall recruiting class indefinitely for, and, and this is what the reports have said for smoking weed in the locker room before the game against South Carolina. <laughs> And, and one of those guys is cornerback Denver Harris, who is on a, a good amount of the kind of the midseason freshman All-American teams, who was playing really well for them. They already ha- had to suspend a handful of freshmen for the Miami game. 
I mean, this is just like it's it truly is a case of Jimbo has lost control of this program. And I, I, mm-hmm. I don't know what the inner workings are in terms of that recruiting class and the issues they've had with it. I don't know if it's money. I don't know if it's guys were promised things that they're not getting. And it, but it's it, it is going really bad. Dan Wolken from USA Today, one of my favorite um, columns to read on Sunday is his misery index and, and A&M is usually in it, but he, he explicably came out and said like, if Jimbo Fisher didn't have this contract, he's gone yeah. and he might be gone already. And Lucas, how about this? I saw this as well on, on, on Twitter on Sunday. Most coaches, if you get fired, right, your buyout drops. If you take another head coaching job, right? There's some offset language. Jimbo Fisher doesn't have that. If Jimbo Fisher is like named the head coach of, of ASU, Right. Let's say if he gets fired next year or whatever, he gets all of that money from AM, no matter what he does. I mean, it is the worst contract in the history of college athletics. It is a disaster. And I know we can talk a lot more about what this means for the future of like coaching contracts, but like I don't know who I don't know if this kind of reverses the trend of coaches getting these long term deals because AM is AM is stuck. The only thing they can yeah. do is make him hire an offensive coordinator, basically. And I don't know if they'll even do that. Yeah. Well, and the thing is with me is with these massive buyouts, it's like if you're willing to pay that much for a buyout and you're that scared of a coach leaving, with that type of money, you could still get just about any other coach that you wanted. Like even if Jimbo would have left for LSU last year, you could have thrown $84 million at Lane Kiffin or whatever, you know, Lincoln Riley maybe even for that instance before he moved to USC. Um, and you probably would have been better off. But you, I think it's a good point you brought up about the character issues. We saw a similar thing towards the end of his tenure at Florida State. Yep. Where guys, and that bled over, I mean, that program is still recovering from how bad a shape he had left it. And I know there was a lack of motivation. They were kind of already looking out because Florida State wasn't giving the resources, everything. It's a complete opposite at A&M. A&M's giving you everything that you wanted. Um, and There's, no we'll give you. There's no There's excuse. There's no excuse. And the fact that you can't handle that locker room, um, it's it's awful. But I don't know what AM does because I, I know I know that the oil money's good right now, but eighty four million dollars that's like the same amount that uh, Texas is about to pay to leave the Big Twelve. Um, so <laughs> it's it's not good. It's not good. Um, in uh, I was gonna say in in brighter news, a stock up that I actually have kind of going same part of the country but different conference in the Sun Belt. Wanted to give a shout out to uh, to Troy, the Troy uh, Trojans, um, six and two had a really nice win against University of South Alabama, puts them in the driver's seat in the Sun Belt West. They might be the favorite to win the Sun Belt. This is coming after a year. They've already won more games than they did a season ago. Um, they fired Chip Lindsley last year. Uh, they bring in uh, uh, John Sumrall, and it's just doing a really, really good job. They have one of the better defenses um, in the country. Um, so shout out to Troy um, for really flipping them around and potentially being the, the Sun Belt, which we've seen is, is a very good uh, group of five conference this year with the non-conference wins that a lot of those schools had. So shout out to, shout out to Troy, a little uh, group of five shout out for them. Love that. Love that. Sunbelt's a fun belt, man. It's, a, good, it's mm-hmm. a really, really good conference. We talked about them earlier the week. They had like, what, Georgia Southern beat Nebraska. They had App State beat um, App State beat A&M. A&M. Like, yeah, like it's a, it's a really good G5 conference. We, we talked about it among being 
challenging the American for, for maybe the best G five conference in the, in the country for sure. Um, I'm going to go stock down. I'm going to take us to, uh, to Stillwater and, uh, I'm going to stock down the university of Texas, man. Texas is the, is the ultimate. Have you seen, you've seen Austin powers, right? Lucas. Yes. The, the scene of Austin powers on the little cart in the hallway where he's like, like trying to like reverse (laughs) and then go forward and reverse and go forward again. And he's stuck in the hallway. That's Texas. Whenever Texas gets a little momentum, they just come crashing down. So Texas is playing Oklahoma state. I, uh, I took the over that game was one of my picks. And then the next day I find out there's like 20 mile an hour wins. And I'm like, Oh great. Okay. But sure enough, we sailed over it. Texas is up, I believe 34, 24, uh, in entering the fourth quarter. Mm-hmm. And they end up losing 41, 34 in regulation. Quinn Ewers was like 19 of 49 was overthrowing receivers left and right. They seemingly went away from Bijan Robinson down the stretch, even though Oklahoma state could not stop the run. And this is what we've seen from Texas. I think mm-hmm. like Steve Sarkeesian has keeps losing these one possession games, right? Whether it's Alabama, whether it's Oklahoma state, they lost to Texas tech in overtime this year. I mean, all three of their losses this year were, but by a combined 11 points, 10 and, points. And in two of those, and they're both their conference games, they blew double digit leads. Yeah. They blew a double digit lead to Texas tech. They were up 31, 17 in that game. And same thing in this one. And they blew both of them. In the I mean, it's quarter. just, and you know, we, we, uh, we talk about it. Like some teams have this stench and, and Texas just can't get rid of it. They, they, there was no excuse this time. Right. Cause you know, we had talked about with our, our playoff discussion, like, Hey, you know, a two lost Texas team. They can say we, we didn't have Quinn Ewers for most of the Bama game. We didn't have him against tech. There's no excuse this time. They're, they're, they're pretty, they're pretty healthy. I know their offensive line is pretty, is pretty young, but listen, Stillwater is a tough place to play. Um, but they were six and a half point favorites and they, you know, lose, lose outright and, and it kind of throw away, not throw away, but it's going to be really hard for them to make it to, to, uh, to Dallas to play in the big 12 championship game with, with how good TCU, um, and Oklahoma state have been. Um, but I, I just, I don't know. I don't know what, how this, I don't, I, I don't know. Is Stark the right guy? I, I think so. I think he does a good job game planning and scheming. They score points. They're recruiting well, but they are losing to far the, the, to just inferior teams consistently. And it's really maddening. Well, and just so undisciplined too. We look, you look at 14 penalties during the game. Oklahoma and, state and, and, had none. And that, that has been Texas for really since Matt Brown left yeah. undisciplined. And it, it just shows you why like that to me, like seeing that Texas has 14 versus Oklahoma who has zero penalties. It shows you why Oklahoma State routinely outplays their talent and is always good and beats teams they shouldn't versus Texas, who routinely loses games that they shouldn't lose and continually plays down to their competition. Um, yeah, it's just a mess. I mean, you scored 31 points in the first half and only three in overtime. I mean, credit to Oklahoma State, Derek Mason, their defensive coordinator, for making really good adjustments to slow down uh, uh, Bijan Robinson to really – Make Quinn Ewers really frustrated the entire game. I mean, he had two picks, I think, just to end it in their last two drives. And yep. um, yeah, kudos to Oklahoma State. I think a lot of people expected a, a big drop off from them from a season ago, and now they're right back there. Um, yeah, they 
should have probably beaten TCU two weeks ago. They blew uh, a double-digit lead in that game. Um, but kudos to them, like you mentioned, probably in, a, in the driver's seat for at least one of those spots in that Big 12 title game. Um, I'm going to stay in the Big 12. I have, I think I have one more stock down. Or no, I have two more stock downs. And uh, this one hurts, Ryan. This one hurts a lot. But stock down oh, to, no. uh, to, to Kansas. Uh, for losing their third game. I know they lost Jalen Daniels, but this was a game we were we were kind of texting back and forth. The line on this game, I got it at plus eight and a half early in the week. It, it goes all the way up to like plus ten and a half. Like, and I'm like, why? Kansas is basically covered in just about every game this year. Um, they've been able, they've shown they've been able to score without Jalen Daniels. Um, and we kind of see why. I mean, Baylor got out to a 28 to three lead. Um, and my, my worry with Kansas is if they can't score 40 points a game, um, they face a good defense, um, this could be a struggle. And, you know, you look at uh, their remaining schedule, and look, even if they finish 6-6, six and six, that's still a hell of a season for these guys. But they've got Oklahoma State at Texas Tech, Texas, and at Kansas State. They are probably going to be an underdog in all of those games. And um, it just stinks because they were – such a great story. And like I said, even if they finish six and six, seven and five, still going to be a great story for Kansas. Lance Leipold is still going to be a hot coaching candidate. But I think the, I just go stock down just because I think the, the excitementness of their program and everything has kind of dissipated just a little bit um, on them. So sadly, stock down on the, on the Kansas Jayhawks. Yeah, Kansas is is a is kind of a, a weird team, right? I mean, obviously you start five and zero. They had a, a really um, tough loss at home to TCU. Um, the Oklahoma game and the Baylor games really weren't as close as as the final scores indicate. I mean, I mean Kansas did do a nice job coming back and pulling within a score last week, but I mean they were getting I think it was it was fourteen nothing like five minutes into the game. I was texting, yeah, yeah. I was like, yeah, maybe we were wrong about about Kansas. <laughs> And Baylor, yeah, it's it's tough. I mean, you, again, like you listed the schedule. I mean, the only game that they, well, I think, will be a, a close dog in is at Texas Tech. Mm-hmm. You know, um, now we don't know what Texas will kind of look like at, at that point. And then, I mean, Kansas State could be playing for a trip to the Big Twelve title game, mm-hmm. right? So, uh, it would be really catastrophic if you go five and seven. I mean, yeah. I, and I think there's a chance that they lose every game. I I, I don't. I think they'll get one. Maybe they upset Oklahoma State at home. Maybe they maybe they upset at Kansas State. But I, I think they get one. But yeah, I mean, you're sitting here five and zero, and then you finish six and six. And I, you know, my brain, even though it shouldn't, kind of goes to what does this mean for Lance Leipold? I mean, is is Lance? I mean, Lance Leipold earlier in the month was the hottest coaching name in the in in the cycle. Um, does this cool his name off a little bit? I I, I think that will be uh, that will be interesting. I would just nothing would make me happier if they beat Texas for a second year in a row. Oh please, <laughs> Lord. please! That's why I say like we don't know like so a, yeah. a lot of these teams, these big programs, they have some quit in them. And if mm-hmm. if Texas loses a couple more games, like if te- is is if is Texas six and four or five and five, like yeah, let's give it a raw and go play at Lawrence in November when it's going to be probably really cold. So. Yeah. Um, I will give, I have one more stock up, one more stock down. I'm going to give, we talked a little bit about this team. I'm going to give a stock up to Shane Beamer. I've just never the highest Shane Beamer guy. Um, to be honest, I thought some smoke and mirrors, but he is, I think he's proven to be a coach that a lot of programs need high energy. He gets the marketing aspect. He gets the, he gets the off the field stuff. He's brought excitement to that program. 
Um, and they're five and two. Um, mm-hmm. and, and they are, they are five and two after getting throttled by Georgia. They have wins over Charlotte, South Carolina state, Kentucky, Granville, Leviston play, and then A&M they're five and two. You still have Missouri and Vanderbilt in your next two games. I mean, there's a legit, there's a real chance you're, you're seven and two going to play at Florida. Who knows what Florida looks like yeah. at that time. And then, and then you got at Tennessee. Um, so I, I think Beamer's doing a nice job with that program. Um, the SEC East, by the way, is I think for the first time in a while, the better division. I don't know if there's really mm-hmm. any doubt about it. You have two top five teams, South Carolina, Kentucky are also both ranked. Um, it's a, it's a nice division. Now you have a letdown spot here. You host Missouri uh, this week, which is kind of a, a letdown spot. So we'll see, but I, um, I like what they're, I like what they're doing there at Carolina. And I was hesitant to get on board, but I think he's done a nice job there. Yeah. I was going to say, especially with, I feel like they were one of the most hyped up teams during the off season, especially when they got, you know, Spencer Rattler, who was, you know, a huge transfer get kind of came out of nowhere that he decided to go to South Carolina with the amount of teams that were interested. But I think good for them. I mean, last year too, I mean, he got them to a bowl game. The fact yeah. that, especially with kind of, they were kind of a mess too after, uh, after Will Muschamp left. So yeah, I think they're just beating. I just love it. Cause they're beating up teams that, that, uh, are just kind of like you kind of mentioned, maybe kind of in that quit mode last year. I remember they just absolutely face planted Florida when they basically were done with Dan Mullen. And it looked like they kind of did the same with, uh, uh, with Texas A&M um, a stock down for me. And this is uh, in the ACC, um, the Pitt Panthers, man. I, uh, I was high on them coming into the year. I thought they were going to repeat as coastal champs and so they, they lose a close heartbreaking game at the end of the year to uh, Tennessee, which was fine. You know, Keenan Slovis got hurt in that game, but now they've lost two of their three losses. So maybe what I thought were going to be maybe two of the worst teams in, in that division. They, they got, they got beat at home by Georgia tech who was in their first game under an interim head coach. And they go on the road and just, I was watching part of this game. This game sucked to like watch. Um, <laughs> only reason I did it was I'd pit money line. And, oh, it was just ugly. I mean, even Louisville only put up, I think, 17 points of total offense. Malik Cunningham was even in and out of this game, was injured throughout it. And Pitt just couldn't do anything. I mean, Israel Abaconda got, had a good game, got his yards, but Keaton Slevis only 158 yards, two interceptions. Um, It just feels, this was such, I thought Pitt was kind of ascending last year with the way their offensive was. And then, you know, Mark Whipple leaves for Nebraska. And you find out that like him and Pat Narduzzi didn't really get along because Narduzzi didn't really like the style of offense he had. Um, and this is kind of, I think what Narduzzi wants is he wants to run the ball and play good defense. And it's just sad to see uh, Pitt kind of take a background, especially to a Louisville team that each week we, we consider whether or not Scott Satterfield is going to get fired or not. Uh, depending on how they play, but a good win for Louisville, um, especially for them to try to make a bowl game. But yeah, my stock down on on Pitt because um, especially with the way the coastal was was going, they had a really good chance to repeat, and it doesn't look like that's going to happen. Um, all right, I'll say in the ACC, I got one more stock down, and it's DJ Ungalole. Um benched in the third quarter against uh, Syracuse. Clemson comes from behind. 
Kate Klubnik, I'm I'm not sure exactly how much he contributed to the win. I think uh, there were some questionable calls there, to be honest. A couple mm-hmm. questionable roughing the passer. Syracuse, Syracuse looked like a team that hadn't been there before, right? Syracuse looked like a team that kind of wasn't used to being in a big game, ABC on the road against a, a kind of a you know perennial power. They made some mistakes, right? You had a bad drop pass on third down, a couple bone. They got. 30 yards and personal fouls on yep. the drive that Syracuse either took the lead or tied it. And um, so Clemson comes back and wins. And now we have a quarterback controversy question mark at Clemson. Um, Kate Klubnick came out of the game and said, this is DJ's team. Brandon Streeter, the offensive coordinator said, there's no controversy. This is DJ's job, but you know, it's week nine and we, one of the top four or five teams in the country doesn't know who its best quarterback is. And that's a huge mm-hmm. issue. And we've seen Dabble be very loyal. We've seen Dabble be very loyal with assistance. And now really for the first time, and I don't know how long, I mean, you think about the quarterbacks Clemson's had, right? Trevor Lawrence, Deshaun Watson, Taj Boyd. I don't know when the last time they were a little unsettled at quarterback. But DJU, I mean, we had talked about him showing improvement during the early part of the season, and it—I don't know if he's regressed a little bit. It's just it—it, it, you know, getting benched in the biggest game of your season, it's—it's it's not a good look. And I think there are some questions here. I still think Clemson odds-on favorites win the ACC, probably go undefeated, um, but they have not looked unbeatable this year for sure. No, I I agree with you. I don't know if there's. I think obviously DJU is going to start this week just because it's not like. I mean, Kate Klubnick didn't make any mistakes, but I mean, they only, he only threw it four times, completed two for, for 19 yards. It wasn't like he came in like Trevor Lawrence did for Kelly Bryant. And just, yeah, basically you knew after that first game, he was going to be QB one moving after that. Um, But I think it just shows like even how defensive Dabo has been on DJU. And I do think he's improved uh, drastically this year from last year. We see how short the lease still is. Um, in their biggest game of the year, when they got down, you you made the move, and now you've kind of let, um, uh, you've kind of, uh, you know, you've kind of let the rabbit out of the hat, like um, that. That is potentially another move that you're going to go down to. Now we'll see um, how they do. The, the rest of their schedule is 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 fairly easy. They kind of got through kind of what their gauntlet was. They got Notre Dame in two weeks, but. We've seen at least Notre Dame is, is not as fearful this year. You got Louisville, uh, Miami team that's just as we can talk about them in a little bit, but they're <laughs> obviously not uh, not riding too high. And then you get South Carolina at home. Um, all four of these are winnable games, but I think you know when we talk about Clemson, they're in the same stats for, you know with Ohio State with Alabama, and right now the way their offense is, they're not winning a national title with this offense or with the way DJU, even when he was currently playing before this game. Uh, they're just not overtly explosive. They do have a really good running game, but when you get up against really good teams, you got to be fairly explosive. So I, I do think it's there. I didn't think they played extremely well. They had four turnovers overall in this game. Um, you know, if Syracuse, like you mentioned, if Syracuse was kind of in the moment, maybe they take advantage of those. I don't think they scored any points off of any of those turnovers. Um, and they did get bailed out. Like you mentioned, Syracuse on that same drive, I think it was fourth and three when that first unsportsmanlike conduct got off. If that doesn't happen, I think it was still 21 to 10. And I think Clemson's punting the ball back late in the third quarter and said they were. It was a huge call. I mean, it it was a, 
huge call and it, it wasn't like a really big hit. It was more like a shove. And and it was, in my opinion, I don't know if Cade Klubnik gave himself all the way up. I mean, just watching the play in real time, like he was trying to get some extra yardage, but that was like a fourth and 20. I mean, that was not, yeah. and, and it was, it was, there were a couple calls and listen, Syracuse lost the game. I mean, it, I texted you. I was like, Syracuse goes from winning to like, are they going to cover the spread? Kind right. of, yes. They really couldn't hold on. Um, but but you're absolutely right. I mean, it wasn't like Kate Klubnik comes out and, and, and is throwing the ball around and, and you know getting the ball to their their playmakers and, and you know looking really good. I think Syracuse more so lost that game. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. So I I would say yeah, DJU stock a little bit down. We'll see how they respond at the end of the year. But like I said, I don't think they're going to be tested. Maybe not until if they get to the playoff. That might be the next time where they're like legitimately tested. But. Um, but who knows? And then I was going with, I believe, uh, oh, stock up, going back for my uh, my well in the Power Five, Tulane. Um, Tulane right now is seven and one. They have a win actually over Kansas State, um, who is still ranked. They had a nice win over Memphis this past week, thirty-eight to twenty-eight. They might be the best team besides Cincinnati in the AAC. Uh, Willie Fritz has done a really really good job. That is not an easy place to win. Um, with some of the academic standards they have, they don't necessarily have a ton of resources at Tulane. Um, but they've got, I believe they got UCF in Cincinnati here in the next few weeks. Um, be interested to see how they play. Um, and I just think it would be crazy to see, uh, um, Tulane potentially playing in a new year six bowl if they're able to get it done, but shout out to them. Um, this was a team, I think that only won two games last year. Um, so really nice seeing them and also being represented in the top 25 so my last stock up goes to Tulane uh to the uh to the green wave nice I love you mixing in some g5 love for your uh your stock ups like that a lot um real quick I'll just touch on Oregon I I gave my rose to Bo Nix Oregon stock up um since their loss to Georgia they've won six straight games they have scored at least 41 points in each one of those games Another stock up guy and a guy that's getting some local traction here for the ASU job is offensive coordinator Kenny Dillingham, who's who's doing some really nice things with Bo Nix and that entire offense. Um, Oregon against uh, UCLA on Saturday, 283 passing yards, 262 rushing yards. You had five receivers with multiple receptions for Oregon. They spread the ball around. They're balanced. They're physical. It's a really good offense. And... I think if you, I mean, you asked me who's going to win the Pac-12, I don't know. I mean, I could conceivably see Oregon in there at 11 and one playing USC, who's also 11 and one or maybe 10 and two. Rest of the schedule for the Ducks this week, they'll host California next week at Colorado. So nice bye week there before they go to Washington on November 12th. <laughs> I'm sorry, they host Washington on November. Uh, host Washington November 12th, uh, host Utah on the. Uh, 19th and then they'll go at Oregon State two days after Thanksgiving. Uh so a couple key games at home, right? You get Washington at home, you get uh Utah at home, they get they get Cal on the road this weekend. Um Oregon right now looks like maybe the best team in the conference and a legit threat for the playoff. It, it will be a really interesting conversation if if they get there. I, my guess is they stumble and lose one more at some point, but because that's just how it goes in the Pac-12. We can't have nice things out here out west. But uh, <laughs> Oregon, uh, first-year head coach Dan Lanning, first-year OC Kenny Dillingham. I believe this is his first Power 5 OC job where he's calling plays because he was at Florida State where Mike Norvell called plays. Um, and he was, at, nice was, he, was he the OC at Auburn? 
Oh, too. you're right. I don't know if he was calling the plays there, but yeah, he got. I think he was there for a year, and then and then Norvell hired him when he got the. Uh, I was say, yeah, I think Gus. Yeah, because I'm pretty sure Gus called plays um, when he was the the HC there. But uh, but no, I I completely agree with you, and it would be interesting if a 12 and one Pac-12 champ with Oregon. Because I, I I would just be so interested to see how much they weigh um, that loss to to uh, to Georgia because they did lose 49 to three. But I think the thing they have in their favor was one, it was the first game of the year. Um, typically if you are going to lose in college football, uh, the earlier you do it, the better people seem to kind of forget about it. And it shows that you've improved that you're not the same team. And, you know, they were working in a lot of new things. You have a new head coach, you mentioned it, new offensive coordinator, new quarterback. Um, and then your first game is against the defending national champs at a neutral site. That was like, two hours away from Athens, Georgia. Yeah. Neutral um, in, in, in air. Yes. Um, so yeah, I am interested to see how they play out. I mean, Washington has been good. I, I think the intriguing game in there is Oregon state, uh, Oregon state quietly, I believe is six and two right now. Um, they absolutely crushed. Um, I think they played Colorado last week. Yeah. 42, 49 to two or 42 to nine. Um, early in the year, they, you know, they beat teams like Boise state and Fresno state. Um, so I'm interested to see that the civil war, cause I believe that game is in Corvallis. Um, and that would be fitting for the PAC 12 where it looks like Oregon, you know, 10 and one going to the last game of the year has already clinched a spot in the PAC 12 championship game only to, to lose to their rival. But, um, yeah, I think a really good story right now with, with Oregon and, uh, yeah, Dan Lane, I think you just have to give a lot of credit to them and their staff for riding the ship after that first game. hundred percent. Anything else from you before we uh, jump into our, uh, our week nine stuff? Um, not uh, too many things. Um, I guess if I were to say, just shout out, shout out to the university of Illinois. Cause we have to shout out the university of Illinois in every podcast, Always. even though they didn't, even though they didn't play, they still won because uh, um, it's crazy. The big 10 West Purdue and Illinois look like the two teams to, to win that. And uh, they got a little gift. Brett Bielma got a little gift from his former team, Wisconsin, as Purdue loses on the road. Um, they still have not beaten the Badgers since 20, 2003, um, a game that I was sadly at. Um, but, uh, uh, but yeah, shout out to, to Illinois. They stand alone at the top, as everybody predicted, um, alone at the top of the Big Ten West. I saw a bowl projection preview from Action, or bowl projection from Action Network had Illinois in the Orange Bowl. Against Wake Forest. Dave Clausen versus Illinois. Too. We, oh, we might yeah. have to go if that happens. Happen, you might have yeah. to go to the Orange Bowl. You might have to tell Hannah, I'm sorry. I'm going to Miami for New Year's. It has nothing to do with Miami. We just want to go watch Dave Clausen and, and, and play Illinois. <laughs> um, Lucas, do you know Nebraska and Illinois play this week in Lincoln? Mm-hmm. We'll get to our, our Week 9 preview. If Nebraska wins that game, they are tied for first place in the Big Ten West with the tiebreaker over Illinois. That would be – oh, go ahead. I'm, I was just saying I don't know if they've already played Purdue. I, I actually know they they, uh, they, they have lost. a lot for Purdue. Yes. So I guess technically I think Purdue's off this week, but they would be 3-2 and two in the Big Ten, and Illinois would also be 3-2 and two with the tiebreaker going to Nebraska. Oh, could you imagine – I cannot imagine Nebraska fans if they win that game against Illinois. Uh one, because they would be three and one since, or three and two, I believe, since Mickey Joseph took over. But just the fact that they could say, hey, we're tied for the top of the Big Ten West. Like everybody, once again, 
predicted it after they fired Scott Frost. Um, that'd be crazy. And I'm sure they're going to get up ready for that game just because it, it felt like that's kind of where the downfall started to happen for, for Scott Frost was, was last year in Champaign when they lost uh, that week zero game. Listen, it's a, it's a big game. Like Nebraska fans always show up. Like I, I yes. give them credit. They are, that game is always sold out. They're always there. They're always wearing red. When they play Oklahoma, you can't tell who's who. It's insane to you know watch the crowd, but like, or they play Wisconsin or any other yeah. red team, you can't tell who's who. Um, it will it will be a great atmosphere, and it's it's a huge test for Illinois. And let's, we'll, let's get to Week Nine here, as we'll <laughs> we'll uh, I'm sure we're just itching to talk Illinois Nebraska for 20 minutes here. Um, <laughs> I'll go over the TV schedule here real quick, then we'll uh, I'll toss to Lucas for some of the key games here. Starts on Thursday, two Power Five games: Virginia Tech at NC State. Utah going to Washington State. I, I I joked to Lucas. I said it's 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 so on brand for the Pac-12 to send one of their best teams on the road to Pullman. Utah's going to lose that game. I, I I don't know what the line is. Utah's going to lose. Um, <laughs> that came ten o'clock Eastern on FS1. A uh, couple uh, group of five games on Friday: East Carolina at, at BYU, Louisiana Tech at Florida International. Saturday, the big noon game uh, on Fox. As we go to the noon slate, Ohio State, Penn State. On Fox, TCU at West Virginia on ESPN. Notre Dame visits Syracuse uh, on ABC. Arkansas at Auburn on SEC Network. Oklahoma at Iowa State on FS1. Moving to the 330 window. Oklahoma State at Kansas State on Fox. Illinois at Nebraska on ABC. Cincinnati at UCF on ESPN. Wake Forest visits Louisville on the ACC Network. Missouri at South Carolina Four o'clock Eastern on SEC Network. Uh, moving to the uh, evening slate, seven o'clock Eastern on ESPN. Kentucky at Tennessee uh, on Pac-12 Network at seven o'clock Eastern. USC at Arizona, uh, seven thirty Eastern time on ABC. Michigan State at Michigan. You also have Ole Miss at Texas A&M and Arizona State at Colorado on uh, at seven thirty Eastern as well. All of those games as well as Baylor, Texas Tech, 7.30 Eastern on ESPN2. couple night games, 10.30 Eastern, Stanford at UCLA on ESPN, San Diego State at Fresno State on FS1, and at 8.59 Pacific Time, 11.59 Eastern, Wyoming at Hawaii. So stay up for that if you have Spectrum Sports. Lucas, <laughs> got some uh, several ranked-on-ranked matchup. I think the... The biggest matchup is probably the first test of the season for Ohio State, mm-hmm. right? We we talked about last year how how soft. Oh, I'm sorry, not last year, last week. How tough or, or how soft Ohio State's schedule had been up to this point. They played Iowa on the big noon kickoff game last week. They throttled them fifty four to ten after kind of a slow start. Um, this is their first real test. I thought Penn State looked pretty good bouncing back from their blowout against Michigan. They beat Minnesota forty five seventeen. Um, it is at noon. It's not an ABC, you know, seven thirty wideout game, which is a little disappointing. Um, but I think a real chance for Ohio State to come and, and prove that they are one of the top two or three teams in the country against a, a Penn State team. I, I still think is pretty good. Yeah, and I think it's a kind of a redemption for for Penn State for their game a couple weeks ago when they went in and absolutely literally got ran over by Michigan, who put up over four hundred yards just on the ground. But like you mentioned, I thought Penn State, at least offensively, maybe had their best game of the season um, against a, a pretty good, at least what we at least thought going in, was a pretty good uh, Minnesota defense. 
Uh, but like you mentioned, I do think Penn State would have wished for this game to be at 6.30, 7.30 local time, um, unfortunately. But it, I believe it is still a whiteout. Uh, this has been a game, I think Penn State, you know, really since the, the Big Ten West and East, you can argue Penn State has played Ohio State as tough as everyone. This seems to be a game, no matter what their season looks like or how they looked a week or two before, they usually come prepared. Uh, but they're going to have to play as good offensively because we know, you know, if, if you play good defense against Ohio State, maybe you limit them to like 35-ish points. Um, but you're probably, you're going to have, uh, Sean Clifford's going to probably have to play his best game of the year. They're going to have to get Nick Singleton going um, in the run game. But I do think this might be the best defense that Ohio State has faced this year. I think the second best was Notre Dame, and we saw they were able to slow them just a little bit in that in that season opener. Um, so I am intrigued. And you mentioned last week, Ohio State um, against Iowa really came out. So now Iowa also has a very good defense. Um, but Iowa's offense could put do nothing. And we'll get to that in a little bit, actually, in one of my picks. But um, if Penn State can score and then they can play some deep, they might be able to add a little bit of pressure. I don't know if they – I don't think they win this game outright. I think still think Ohio State's still a tier above them. But this could, this does have the, this to me has the chance to be interesting, at least for Ohio State. Moving on to the, uh, another ranked on ranked matchup, Oklahoma State in a, a kind of a bit of a gauntlet. They'll visit Kansas State. They'll play, it's a 3.30 Eastern game on Fox. Oklahoma State uh, last week played Texas, the week before at TCU. Um, now you got Kansas State. Kansas State uh, just uh, lost pretty close game against TCU. Um, Oklahoma State, I continue to be just impressed with. Um, they, they can win in a few different ways. The defense is not nearly as good as it was last year, but they lost a ton off that defense. And obviously their defensive coordinator is now in Columbus, Jim Knowles. But um, the offense can score. I mean, Spencer Sanders is tough. Still looks like he, he plays hurt every game, it looks like. Um, they can move the ball through the air. Um, and, and, you know, we talked about them a little bit with Texas, like no penalties last week they constantly kind of punch above their weight, whether they're playing Oklahoma, whether they're playing Texas. I think they're the better team against Kansas State, um, but never easy to play in Manhattan. Chris Kleiman always has that team well-coached, and and this year is no different. Adrian Martinez is taking care of the football. Deuce Vaughn's one of the better uh, players in the conference. So I'm excited for this one in, in Manhattan. Uh, another chance for some big 12 chaos. Yeah, and I think a big thing with this game, too, is is Adrian Martinez going to be healthy? He only played one series in that game against TCU. Uh, they brought in Will Howard, then Will Howard got hurt. Um, so the quarterback situation for Kansas State, I think, uh, is going to pl- obviously play a, a major, major role in how this game goes. But, I, I, but, yeah, you mentioned Spencer Sanders on the other side. You could argue maybe he's playing the best of any quarterback right now in, in the Big 12 probably him and, and Max Duggan, I would say. But, uh, yeah, that one should be an intriguing game, especially because it's it's in Manhattan. Uh, that atmosphere is usually always very, very, very good. So um, that might be – you could argue that could be the better of the two games that we're discussing just because I think a lot more people expect this one uh, to be much more closer than Ohio State-Penn State. I think one intriguing game that I'm I'm looking at seven o'clock Eastern on ESPN Kentucky at Tennessee. Um, Tennessee had the huge win against Alabama. Uh, they played UT Martin last week. Um, 
they play Georgia next week in Athens. And this is a classic look-ahead spot mm-hmm. for a team that isn't used to kind of being in this situation where they are now the hunted. This just feels like a game where Kentucky spoils you, right? I mean, this just feels like a Kentucky goes in there and limits possession and chews up the clock. They have the ball for like 38 minutes. Chris Rodriguez has like 175 yards. And they win the game like 31-23 or something, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, it just – but Tennessee has been so impressive this year. I mean, Hendon Hooker, the offense, it's the best offense in college football right now. I mean, I think Ohio State has more potential and a higher ceiling. But Jalen Hyatt, they, they haven't even had Cedric Tillman. Hendon Hooker, they execute what they want to execute incredibly well. But this is a fascinating game because it's just contrasting styles, right? This is It's one of those games where – Tennessee's the new flashy, you know, shiny object, and here comes Mark Stoops with you know Will Levis and Chris Rodriguez and a, and a you know beat up team. That's the offensive line isn't great, and, and uh, this will be an interesting one to see. To, to, can Tennessee kind of handle this? They're twelve point favorites. Can they handle this and set up a monumental meeting next week in Athens, Georgia? I mean, I was just impressed they handled their their hangover game against UT Martin. Yeah, well, I'll tell you what. <laughs> I'm really happy that Tennessee gets some, you know, some prep games in the middle of October. It's October. Great, great for them. Must be nice. Uh, yeah. But no, I, I agree with you. This could be a, a potential look ahead because especially for Kentucky, this was a game last year where I think Tennessee started to kind of come out. They went up to Lexington and they pretty much dominated that game against what was a, a pretty darn good uh, Kentucky team last season. Um, I think last year they averaged something like crazy. It was like 17 yards per play or something like every play they had, they basically like scored a touchdown on. Um, and for Kentucky, they get Will. you know, Will Levis is back. Looks like to be healthy. Um, they did not have him, I believe a couple weeks ago when they lost to South Carolina. Um, like you mentioned, I think this is a game that Kentucky looks like on their schedule. And this is a chance for them to show they obviously, they, they lost, uh, you know, earlier, like I said, to South Carolina, they lost to Ole Miss in uh, a heartbreaker where we both argued they probably played well enough to to win that game um, if they just could not stop turning the ball over. Uh, and this is a chance for them to kind of rewrite and prove that they might be the – that they think they're the second-best team um, in the SEC. So I do think that is a, an intriguing game, and that's the 6 o'clock. That is not the 2.30. 2.30, I believe, is at Florida, Georgia this week. That. Yeah, it's the world's largest outdoor cocktail party. Sorry, I actually glossed over that. I uh, must have missed that. Florida at Georgia, to, uh, 3.30 Eastern uh, on, on CBS. The line, 22 and a half. Um, another kind of look-ahead spot. I, I just, you know, Florida hasn't been that impressive this year. They already lost to Tennessee. They lost to LSU. They lost to Kentucky. Um, I think for Florida, if you lose by less than three scores, I think it's a, it's a moral victory, right, if you could say that. Um, Anthony Richardson's been very inconsistent this year. Um, I don't know. This this feels like a game. I don't think it's the best game in the SEC this week by any means. Um, but obviously always a lot of attention on this game in Jacksonville. Yeah, and this was a game last year that Anthony Richardson actually played a lot in. I don't believe he started, but he did play a lot. And Georgia won this game uh, easily. Uh, Georgia, you know, looking at them, you know, their last game was against, you know, you look at their last four games. Uh, you know, Vanderbilt, Auburn, Mizzou, and, and Kent State. Um, you could argue this has been – this might be their toughest game so far of the season besides maybe week one against Oregon. Um, 
so interested to to come out after they they looked a little shaky there midseason, but yeah, I I don't know if I expect this game to be particularly close. Um, but we'll see. This might be a game that Florida gets up to play um, with Billy Napier and um, maybe have some trick plays and stuff to maybe keep it interesting. A couple more games I'll I'll touch on here quickly, and then I'll I'll throw it to Lucas for some of his more uh, intriguing games here before we wrap up. TCU at West Virginia, again, just a letdown spot for TCU. They've had just a really, really tough string of games. I mean, if you look at their recent schedule, right, you had a uh, home win against Kansas State, home win against Oklahoma State, at Kansas, Oklahoma. I mean, it's it's a gauntlet. Like, the Big 12 is kind of a kind of a gauntlet, right? And that schedule now is, is lightening up a little bit, right? You go at West Virginia. They host Texas Tech the last two, uh, the next two weeks. So we'll see. Right now, uh, TCU 7-0. and They're number seven in the country. Uh, Notre Dame at Syracuse. Interested to see how Syracuse bounces back after a kind of a really deflating loss against Clemson, a game that they're up 21-10. In late in the, I think, in the, going into the fourth quarter, they're up 21-10. Their, their defense played really well against Clemson's offense. They forced Clemson to bench their quarterback. And now you have Notre Dame in there that has been really up and down this year. They had a big win over UNLV last week, but just don't know what you're going to get from either team. So that's, I think Syracuse is a, is a slight favorite. I think two and a half or two in the dome. That is a 12 o'clock game on ABC 12, uh, 12 Eastern uh, Arkansas at Auburn um, two uh, confusing teams, right? I think that the big question here is, is Brian Harson getting fired? I mean, <laughs> they had a bye week last week. Didn't get fired after losing to, um, uh, didn't get fired after losing to Ole Miss. Didn't get fired after losing to Georgia. I don't know. Maybe if his buyout drops after a certain date or what, but it, it's interesting. And, and Arkansas, after some early momentum, has had some key injuries, and they just got drubbed by Mississippi State. So interested to see kind of which teams show up in that one. Um, and then I'll just kind of finish my group with Illinois, Nebraska, right? Another team that is in a position that it's not used to being in, right? Illinois is not used to playing meaningful games in late October. I mean, I guess they're used to playing meaningful games in terms of trying to make a bowl game, but like you win this game against Nebraska, you set yourself up in a really nice way in this division, right? Because your final four games are Michigan State at home, Purdue at home, at Michigan, at Northwestern. Um, so even if you somehow stumble against Michigan State and Michigan, you would have tiebreakers over Wisconsin, Iowa, Minnesota, and Nebraska in your in mm-hmm. your in your in your division. So big one for Illinois. They're coming off a bye week. Chase Brown had 41 carries, I believe, in their victory over Minnesota. Um, and so we'll we'll see what that team has, right? So interested in teams like TCU and Illinois as we get later into this season. They're maybe they're not used to being here. How do they respond? Yeah, I think that's a good point. I don't I don't believe Illinois has beaten Iowa, Wisconsin, um, and Nebraska and Minnesota all in the same year. I don't think they've ever done it. Uh, this was actually the first year I believe they had beaten Wisconsin and Iowa in the same year since like 2007. Um, so like you mentioned, doing a lot of things um, that they haven't done before. I was going to say, which game would you want, would you have to get paid more to watch? Northwestern okay. at Iowa? Or uh, Virginia Tech at NC State. Mm. Oh man, I, I'll probably say Northwestern in Iowa. Yeah, I have no idea why that game's on ESPN too. <laughs> I mean, what are we? Like, what are we doing? Uh, North, I think Iowa's like an eleven point favorite in that game, which yeah. is, just tells you how. Are bad they going to score eleven is. points? 
The over under 37 and a half, which seems a little high. I don't know if we'll get to that later or not, but that right. seems a, a little high. No, that's going to be a dreadful game. Uh, Virginia Tech, NC State. NC State has really fallen apart without Devin Leary, and it's it's tough because this was supposed to be a really nice year for NC State. And it, it really looks like Wake Forest is is the best team not named Clemson in this to, yeah. in, in this conference. I mean, they're playing mm-hmm. really good football. Um, all right, I'll, I'll play this game for you now. Um, I don't really have another option because I'm thinking of this off the top of my head, but Miami at, at Virginia. <laughs> you oh, want to talk about, about two teams reeling, man. Miami uh, turns the ball over eight times in a loss to Duke. We didn't talk about this in our stock up, stock down, but. I should have done stock down just expensive coaches. I mean, like yeah. the the ninety five plus million dollar coaches of Jimbo and Mario Cristobal. What is Miami doing, man? I mean, Duke has a first year head coach. Do remember the ACC preview? We we're like, man, Duke's gonna be awful this year. Like maybe worse than Georgia Tech. They're yeah. five and three. Mike Elko should be ACC coach of the year, right? Mm-hmm. He's doing a great job. They go into Miami, they force eight turnovers, and they thump the U. Uh, and now they have to go on the road and play Virginia. Uh, Miami just has a lot of questions, and this game could be really, really bad against Virginia. This would be really bad because Virginia's been, you know, you talk about, you know, another first-year head coach and Tony Elliott, and I don't think this is the year that they had envisioned for them to go to, especially um, you knew at least offensively there was pieces there. What, Jadavion Wicks with Brennan Armstrong, who's one of the better quarterbacks. Uh, in the conference, um, but they've never been able to really get over their offensive line issues. Uh, but yeah, two undefeated. This is just one of those games where whoever wins is just going to be happy that they got a win, and whoever loses is just probably going to feel just absolutely awful that they lost. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, that is uh, that's a brutal game. I, I we didn't really touch too much on on Miami, but I I remember I texted you. Because I thought that was a typo on my ESPN app. I don't think I've ever seen a team have eight turnovers. How do you lose five fumbles? One fumbling it that much, but how? And Duke got I mean, Duke just had crazy turnover luck. I get it, but like, how the hell so, do you so fumbles in a game? Tyler Van Dyke got injured and and left the game. I'm honestly not sure what his status is for for this game against Virginia. But um, I watched some highlights of Jake Garcia, their their backup. There were two of his interceptions they threw. There were three Duke defenders in the area and, like, no Miami players. Maybe one. He threw some terrible balls. Miami just doesn't look like it cares. It just doesn't look like it gives any kind of of care in the world about what's happening. They're three and four. If they make a bowl game, it's going to be a bad one. They'll go to, like, the Gasparilla Bowl or the, you know, whatever bowl. And and, uh, it would be interesting to keep an eye on some of these teams like Texas, A&M, uh, like Texas, Texas A&M, Miami, some of these teams that had some pretty, I mean, we, I had Miami in my ACC title game. Yeah. I mean, a lot, I, a lot I, of people did. you had Pitt, so we were both probably going to be time. wrong, but Miami, like, I mean, they, they were the preseason coastal favorite. Mm-hmm. This, you know, Mario's mercenaries, right? We like, we talked about it in the ACC preview and they are one of the more disappointing teams in, in the country. That team looks lethargic. They look out of it. They can't run the football. They can't score. They have issues. I mean, they lost to middle Tennessee state. Lost to AM. I mean, it's just it's been bad. So that'll be yeah. interesting. Any other games before we get to picks that you wanna you wanna touch on here? Uh, let me see here. Uh, you mentioned Cincy at UCF. UCF actually got the doors blown off of them by East Carolina last week. Once again, these were probably 
going into the season, the two best teams, most people thought, in the AAC, both are very much alive for an AAC title game. Uh, that game is is in Orlando. Um, and then also, uh, let me see here, uh, Pitt at North Carolina, I think could potentially be interesting because I feel like the way Pitt's season is, it wouldn't shock me at all if they won it. Um, it also wouldn't shock me if they get boat raced. Um, but this one should be a fun game. Can North Carolina assert themselves as the runaway favorite in the Coastal? Uh, we love offensively how they've looked with with Drake May uh, and Josh Downs, but defensively, um, this is not a great pit offense versus what it was last year. Um, can they? Uh, can their defense be average against them uh, in order to to win this game? I believe they're also coming off a bye week or bye week too. Um, so interested to see how North Carolina handles that one. All right. We're going to get to our weekly picks of the week. Uh, just to do a quick recap from last week, I had a two in one week. Uh, my victories were Penn state minus five against Minnesota and the over 62 in Texas, Oklahoma state. Win be damned. We do not check weather reports before betting overs. Um, my loss was Kansas plus seven and a half at Baylor. Feel like we had a chance, but I don't think that was the right play. Um, Baylor certainly was the better team, and they were, you know, 12 to 15 points better than Kansas. On the season, I am up to 14, 11, and 2. Lucas, uh, unfortunately, another under 500 week for you. Third straight week where you went 1 and 2. Your win was Alabama minus 20 and a half against Mississippi State. Kind of a weird Alabama game. They jumped out to a big lead and just kind of coasted Coast. for a 24 point win. Well, losses for you. You were with me on Kansas State plus seven and a half at Baylor and uh, the Pittsburgh money line against Louisville. Also a loss. Lucas, your season record is 16 and 11. Uh, we are 28, uh, 22 and two um, for the season. I'm sorry. We're 30, 22 and two on the season. Um, any thoughts for you on last week's plays before you, uh, we start the, uh, the next batch? Uh, no, not too much. I, uh, the Kansas plus seven and a half, you, you had texted me. Luckily, um, uh, they lost by more than uh, 12. So then we didn't get punished for, for betting that game early. Um, like you mentioned, Alabama, never really a doubt. Um, but, uh, no, I got, I got to turn around. Um, I was seven and five on the 12 games that I picked all together last week. Um, so that was my first winning week in three weeks. So I was very excited about that. And yeah, just hoping for a, a rebound uh, this week. Let's, let's go three and out. Why not? Why not? Let's us? do it. You know? Why not us, baby? All right. I'm going to throw out my first pick. I'll do my first, my pick of the week. Uh, we just talked about it. I'm taking the under 48 in Virginia, Miami. I think it's two bad offenses. I don't think Tyler Van Dyke is, will be available. Um, I, I just, I don't see this being a very high scoring game. 10, uh, Miami, we talked about all the issues they have. Brennan Armstrong is a cautionary tale for a quarterback staying a place with a new staff. I mean, usually we don't see this. I respect the loyalty, but Brennan Armstrong was one of the best quarterbacks in the ACC last year. And it's just been a complete afterthought this year. Mm -hmm. I know they lost Jelani Woods. They're a really good tight end. He went to the draft last year, but. Well, you know, like you mentioned earlier, they have weapons and they have been really bad. So I'm thinking the under 48 in Virginia, Miami for my pick of the week. Nice. I am. Uh, my pick of the week is also going to be in the ACC. I'm taking 
Cuse, the Orange, minus three versus Notre Dame. Um, like we mentioned, kind of a shocker at this point that Notre or that Syracuse is actually a favorite over Notre Dame. Like I, I'm just not super high in Notre Dame, especially offensively. I think Syracuse's defense is pretty good. Um, and I think they're going to have enough with Garrett Trader. Hopefully they give Sean Tucker the ball more than five times. That was one thing we didn't really talk about against Clemson, your best player only touching the ball a handful of times in that game. Um, but I think this one's a close one, um, but I do think Syracuse ekes it out um, by more than a field goal, um, especially in the Dome. Weird things happen there. They've played really, really well. Um, and I think they're going to this. I think they're going to hold Notre Dame to a low scoring affair. If Notre Dame can't score 14 points on Stanford's defense, more than 14 points, I don't know what they're going to do against uh, Syracuse on the road. So take me Cuse minus three. All right, my lock of the week. I'm going to stay in the ACC, and I'm going to take uh, I'm going to take Wake Forest minus three and a half at Louisville. Um, Wake Forest has been like really good. I thought an impressive win at Florida State three weeks ago. They crushed Army 45-10, to 10, and they crushed Boston College 43-15. They, they, they can score. They have two really good receivers, A.T. Perry, Donovan Green. They have three really good running backs. Sam Hartman is, you know, a top five, six, seven, eight quarterback in the country. Um, and I think for Wake Forest now, you're starting to see, like, the schedule's not easy, but there's a path to – the Rose Bowl. Oh, I'm sorry. The uh, the Orange Bowl for them. They go at at Louisville and at NC State the next two weeks. Then they host North Carolina. They host Syracuse at Duke. So the schedule is tough. It starts to get challenging. But I just think Wake is better than three and a half over Louisville. You still have some of the Scott Satterfield stuff. I know Louisville dug deep and got a nice win against Pitt. We talked about Malik Cunningham being in and out of the lineup. They had a scoop and score, like forced a, a fumble, returned it for a touchdown. Some fluky things. I think Wake Forest beats Pitt in the seven to fourteen range, or I'm sorry, beats uh, Louisville. I like that. I might have to add that to the board um, after this one. I I just can't stop. I just three and a half just seems kind of like a slap in the face to Wake. If I'm uh, top if I'm ten being team, honest. yeah, top ten team that largely out, like you mentioned, largely outside of that Clemson loss, they have pretty much blown out. And Liberty, I think too, they had a close game against them, but they've pretty well, much also, blown out everyone like, since. Liberty's pretty good. Yeah, they right. Like I believe BYU Liberty is six and one. Yeah, yeah. So Liberty beat. is seven and one with a win over BYU. Yeah. So that, Liberty's not bad. That game wasn't even close. I think it was. Uh, it pains me. I've been watching BYU closely because I had their win total. I had their over eight and a half. That got killed this past week. Um, but yeah, that game wasn't even close the entire time. Um, uh, let me see here. My lock is a game I kind of touched on earlier. Um, I said, what would, uh, what would you need to, uh, how, or which game would you need oh, to no. get paid to, to watch and, or more paid more money to watch? One of those was Northwestern at Iowa. I am taking my lock under 37 and a half Northwestern at Iowa. Neither one of these defense or offenses are very good. Um, Iowa, I think has only scored an offensive touchdown in like two, uh, like out of two out of their last like four games or something like that. They didn't even score one against Ohio state or even really came close to scoring a touchdown. Um, look, Northwestern's defense is nothing to ride home about, but I think both of these offenses just kind of get in their own way. Um, the only thing that makes me nervous about this under is um, like when I took the, the under against Rutgers in Iowa, 
if you have a couple defensive touchdowns, which uh, Iowa is very much capable of, um, their defense has scored almost just as much as their offense has this year. But these teams play a clean game. I think uh, this under hits. Like to me, this is like a seventeen to three type game. Yeah, I may have to join on that one too. I mean, especially since it's going up. It opened at like thirty six and a half. Yeah. Um, and it's gone up to 37 and a half. So I may have to, uh, I may have to join you. Um, all right. My upset of the week, I'm taking Rutgers plus 14 at Minnesota. Um, I don't like the way Minnesota has been playing. I like the way Rutgers has been playing. I get it. It's been Indiana. I think Rutgers is trending, um, in a decent direction. They're four and three. They got a chance to make a bowl game and, uh, you know, Minnesota, I don't know what Tanner Morgan status is. They, they played the retro freshman. In Happy Valley, it did, did not go well. No shame there. Not a lot of teams can win in Happy Valley in a whiteout game. But I'm going to, uh, you know, Minnesota's last two games have been Illinois-Penn State. I, I wonder if there's some body blow theory there. They've played two tough games in a row. Might be a little beaten down. I think they should win the game. Um, but I don't know if they're 14 points better than Rutgers at this point. I don't know how many Big Ten teams – outside of like Penn State, Michigan, and Ohio State, I would take to be 14-point favorites over any other yeah. Big Ten team, right? So, Yeah. I like that pick. Um, I, I know our friend uh, Dakota, a diehard yep. Gophers fan, probably not loving to hear that, but probably would agree with you um, on that sentiment. I am uh, going to be in the SEC for my upset of the week. I'm taking Mizzou plus four and a half. At South Carolina, gave our praises to Sean Beamer and their crew, and deservedly so. This should be a game that they win. Uh, However, Mizzou, I think, will keep this game close. Um, Neither one of these offenses are great. I don't see either one of these two teams pulling away um, in any shape or form. I think this is going to be kind of a close game. Mizzou's defense, I think, is pretty good, um, as well as South Carolina. So I think this is kind of a defensive struggle. And look, this is for Mizzou. This is a game for them that they have on their schedule. If they want to make a bowl, this is a game that they probably have to win. Um, They're three and four right now. They don't have a ton of more winnable games on the schedule. Um, So I'm take uh, Mizzou coming off a, I shouldn't say a a nice win against against Vandy. They almost blew a 17-point lead to Vandy. Um, But uh, I think Mizzou keeps this one close on the road. So I'm taking them plus four and a half. Uh, in nice. Columbia, South Carolina. Nice, nice. Uh, I almost put South Carolina minus four on here. I almost <laughs> did, but I don't know if uh, that feels like a trap. The South Carolina minus four feels like a trap. Coming off a big win, emotional, and and I don't, I don't know how good South Carolina is, right? Because they've won four straight, but they were Charlotte, South Carolina State, Kentucky without Will Levis. And then Texas A&M, which is just a mess right now. And half the players were probably stoned before the game. So <laughs> like, it'll be interesting. And, and you're right. Missouri three and four um, really needs this one. And Eli Drinkwitz probably needs this one too in year three. Um, any other final thoughts here before we, uh, before we wrap up, man, this is our last podcast in the month of October schedule. Uh, the calendar flips to November and we'll have just four weeks of college football. The good news, Lucas Midweek Maction starts next week. Ooh, Most of the yeah. Mac is off. Like this is like the the where the Mac has to like reset the schedules and stuff because there's like six games on Tuesdays and Wednesdays now moving forward. It's awesome. It, it, it doesn't. Uh, I don't think fall officially begins until Maction starts. That's yeah. when you know. Like Maction is a time of the year. Like that's what it is. 
it's dark outside. It starts getting cold in that part of the country. Um, you know, you watch those games and there's like five people in the stands. Um, I was just going to say, there's nothing better than watching Buffalo at Miami of Ohio with 36 people. Like they have like a track around the field <laughs> yeah. and like the field looks like complete shit or whatever. Cause it's Tuesday and like, it's just, just nothing better. And it's, it was always like 42, 41 with like four missed extra points. points. Like, this yeah. is amazing. It's the best. It's the best. So I'm very happy you brought that up, but yeah, I'm excited for this weekend. It is Halloween. Maybe some, yep. uh, some spooky could happen. We'll see. Oh man, I can already sense the like trick or treat game that we'll we'll play next uh, next week. The Halloween theme. <laughs> All right, that's gonna do it for another week of Running for the Roses. You can follow the pod on Twitter at Running for Roses. I promise we'll tweet at some point. We're just we're just saving them. We're saving them for November, maybe. Uh, you can uh, subscribe to the podcast wherever you listen to podcasts: Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Play. All of it for Lucas Rodi and Ryan Baffle Lucas. Have a great Halloween weekend, everyone. Enjoy the games.